So practical teaching, the importance of knowing um, about God and what it means to follow him. The impact when we instigate those kind of rhythms of life, um, such as prayer and Bible reading in um, the disciplines that we looked at, private disciplines. The impact of people around us to um, encourage us or hinder us that we looked at in providential relationships. And this morning we're looking at kind of going and doing the stuff in personal ministry. So my lovely assistant, Tom Ansell, is going to come and read our Bible verse this morning. We're looking at Romans um, 12. It's on page 1139, if you have a Bible. Uh, feel free to bring a Bible to church. Nobody will tell you off if you bring a Bible to church. And it's always good to check that what we're telling you is actually what's in the Bible. It is in the Bible. Uh, page 1139, if you've got the uh, NIV ones in church. And it's Romans chapter 12. Verses 3 to 8. It's titled Humble Service in the Body of Christ. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is in giving, then give generously. And if it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Okay, so personal ministry, what do we mean by that? Well, um, Andy Stanley defines it as um, a time in your life when you are following Jesus that you hear about a need or a people group or you encounter people and you you feel a, a pull, a sense of God's calling to go and do something or to make a difference in that area. It's not um, a guilt feeling, it's not a should, it's not a, a push that you must go and do that. It's a real calling a pull that you think, actually, do you know what, I should really pray for that particular area of people. I should really pray that God sends some great people along to help them, to tell them about Jesus. And maybe we start off by praying and, and going, come on God, send people, send people. And, and then slowly but surely it might dawn on us that maybe God is sending people. And maybe he's sending us. Oh, okay. Now, to be clear, this, is, this could be something that's in church life. It could be part of the wonderful and many things that we do here at St. Saviour's. But it also might be something um, in your work life, in your family life, in your friend's life. And I'd hate for you to come away from this morning thinking that the personal ministry is just about in church. Actually, it's about all aspects of our lives and all areas. So in our passage um, in verse 3, it says... Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. And in the area of personal ministry, I think sober judgment is really important because um, there's kind of two kind of main dangers that I see. One is that we might think something like this. We might think, I feel God's call to this area, and I have lots of good ideas, and I'm sure that you know once I get going on this, I'm going to do great things for God. God's going to be really pleased that he has me on his team, and I just need to get on there and do it. 
And uh, confidence is a good thing, but we're not on The Apprentice. And this is kind of The Apprentice approach. The I don't need anybody. I wonder if you've seen the TV show. Um, I, I don't watch it anymore because it drives me mad. But basically, each of these people could save the world on their own with a matchstick. I mean, they just could do anything. Um, but that's not what we want when it comes to personal ministry. We don't want kind of, let's go out and do lots of good things for God and tell God about all the good stuff we, we're doing for him. In fact, I think that's probably a recipe for a surefire disaster. Um, we want to be saying to God, what it is are you doing? What are you calling me to do? Um, how can I be involved? You lead, you show me. I want to follow what it is you're doing. We need to hold our ideas lightly. They won't always be bad ideas, but we want God's ideas rather than our just our own good ones. Verse 3 in the message says this. This is the message version of the passage you're looking at. It's important that you do not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God, why what God is and by what he does for us. Not by what what we are or what we do for him. But I think there's also the the kind of opposite danger, the kind of running on empty approach, where we say, I have this call, I have this pull, but I have nothing. I have absolutely nothing to give. I have no skills in this area. Um, I have no knowledge. I have no idea. I have nothing I can give. But verses 4 to 6 in our passage talks about the fact that we are members of one body. That we do not all have the same function, but we all have different gifts. Verse 6 says, we have different gifts. Well, that saying is that we have gifts. So we need to not discount ourselves and say, well, actually, I have, I have nothing to offer. Every single one of us has a role to play. Even if we have just literally wandered in from the bus stop this morning and heard about Jesus for the first time to whether we've been following and serving him for years and years. We each all have a role to play. And what God asks you to do might be very different from what he's asking the person next to you to do. And I think we get discouraged. I don't know about you, but when I read through that kind of list as it carries on from verse 7, it's a bit like a checklist. So can you prophesy? Can you serve? Can you teach? Can you encourage? Can you give generously? Can you show mercy? And we go, kind of, a bit, when I'm feeling holy. It feels a bit like a really tricky exam question, doesn't it? Like, I can't really do any of those things particularly well, and I definitely don't feel particularly called to any of them. Maybe one over the other, but I'm not quite sure. And I think it's something like this. In, in the body of Christ, we sometimes think that maybe we are officially the appendix or the tonsils, and that we serve no actual function, and we just kind of get in the way. We, don't, we think, actually, I don't know what it is I have to offer. But I don't think that list that we get there from Paul in Romans is an exhaustive list. I don't think this is the list, uh, the only list ever. And in fact, it isn't, because in other parts of the Bible, there are other lists where it talks about kind of giftings. I think this is just a sample or or some examples of the kinds of things that we could be doing. But what I think is interesting in this particular passage is the repetition So we see throughout the passage this kind of repetition of the, if it is, then do. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is leading, do it. If it show mercy, do it. Whatever it is we know how to do, God asks us to bring that to him, to do that for him. 
Because God doesn't ask us to do the impossible. He asks us to simply do what it is we know how to do. Again, in the message, this is verse 6, it says, Let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be, without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something that we aren't. So we need to be who it is we're made to be, to do what it is we've been made to do, and appreciate that God has given us those skills, those abilities that we might just not be quite sure of yet, um, or not quite sure how to use them. Um, And I found a video clip that I think sums this up beautifully. So if all technology goes my way, we're going to have a short video clip on the screens. Good old karate kid. I hope you have seen it. If not, what what have you been doing with your life? I wish you to watch it. Um, so uh, Daniel, Daniel's son that we said there, um, wants to learn to, to, be, um, to do karate. Uh, but instead, uh, Mr. Miyagi gets him to wax cars and paint fences. And he has n- no idea what this has got to do with anything. And then this clip has just been really cross. Um, and uh, Mr. Miyagi explains to him, actually, those things that you didn't think and had any value come together to help enable you to be able to do karate. And with us, we don't know what it is, our little bit, that God has given us to do will come together to create. So we do what it is that we have in our hands. And and I want to encourage us not to despise it, what it is that we can do. Sometimes when it's our gifting and our skill sets, we diminish them. We don't appreciate them as much as other people. And it also encourages us to, if we see um, giftings in people, let's call them out. Let's encourage them. Let's say to somebody, actually, you do that really well. Um, and as, as a, a family together, let's try and encourage one another. There is a question, isn't there, um, about uh, what is spiritual gifting, what is natural skills. Um, And it's clear from the Bible that there are times when God will give kind of supernatural giftings for a particular event to somebody. Um, There's also times when um, God will use our kind of natural skills to have supernatural impact. And he also asks us to desire spiritual gifts. But I think what's important is that we don't kind of hang around in the waiting for them. That we don't kind of sit and think, well, I'm just going to wait until God gives me this amazing gift. Then I'll go and do. And we see examples of this kind of um, the supernatural impact of, of natural gifts in someone like David. So he learned to um, use his sling when he was defending his sheep against wolves. And then God used that to slay a giant. Um, Gideon, who essentially made a lot of noise and made a lot of light and managed to defeat a whole army. God using the little things that we do to have a supernatural impact. So you may not know what your gifting is. Um, It may not be in the kind of list that we've looked at this morning. Um, It may be wax on, wax off. It may be point the floors. Um, But in essence, it doesn't matter what it is that we have as long as we offer that to God. And don't get caught up in trying to um, compare ourselves with other people. Sometimes I think it's about experiences. So in my own life, I've had experiences of of anxiety and depression. And I've had experiences of not so helpful Christian responses to that. Um, And I think what that's enabled me to do and what I've seen God do in my life is support and encourage other people that have gone through similar things. I don't think that God sent any of that to me. I think that simply God asks us to use what we've experienced and he can do things with it. And it isn't always negative things. I think sometimes um, it's skills and experiences we've learned that we've really enjoyed. So um, I've been involved in my drama group doing pantomimes and plays for 
years. Um, and now I see God using that uh, with uh, Tim Rose and myself when we do assemblies. He's a curate, used to be the curate here, he's now the vicar at Littleton. Um, we do assemblies for the Littleton School. And I see those kind of skills and experiences in use there. And sometimes it is our kind of resources. So if we would love to help with the youth group, but we've never spoken to a teenager, um, but we have a car, well then offer your car as, you know, lifts places. If you want to reach out to your workplace and you are a brilliant baker, well then bring your cakes into work. That would be amazing. I'm sure people would love it. Um, if you have time that you could offer to help, then maybe offer that to a neighbour, offer that to the team at St Saviour's. Maybe there's something you can offer in terms of resources uh, that God can use. And I want to um, tell you about one of my kind of spiritual heroes um, this morning. I think this woman is amazing. Her name is Corrie Ten Boom. Um, and she, for me, is a great example of just offering what she had in her hand to offer to God. So she was born in 1892. Um, She was a daughter of a watchmaker. She learned to be a watchmaker herself. And then in uh, 1940, the Nazis invaded her homeland of the Um, And at 48, um, Corrie decided that she wanted to do something about this, to help um, the Jews that she saw around her being persecuted, being taken away. Um, and she was a 48-year-old woman, she had a watch shop, she had a house, but she offered those things. And they ended up using her shop as a front to uh, get people into the house to hide them. They, um, in the picture, there's a, a, a space that they used to hide the people um, to get them um, out of the country. And so for over four years, Corrie and her family hid people, rescued people, got them out to safety, saved many, many lives. Sadly, eventually they were betrayed and they were sent off to concentrations camps. Um, but even there, we saw in, the, in the, her book, The Hiding Place, Corrie and her sister still use what they had in their hands. So there was a Bible that they'd managed to get um, and they could translate into German. So Corrie and Betsy, her sister, translated the Bible out loud into German. And that meant that the other women in that particular area could then translate it into their languages. And therefore, the Bible could get sent throughout this whole kind of concentration camp bringing that kind of life-saving knowledge of Jesus into the darkest of places, using what they had in their hands to serve God. Corrie went on to have a kind of a a huge uh, ministry in talking to people about what it means to show forgiveness, and you can imagine what she's been through, um, and Jesus, um, the way he impacted her. But she started off by just offering what she had in her hands, by doing what it is she knew how to do, and letting God do the rest. Now, hopefully none of us are facing trials quite like Corrie ten Boom. Um, But that isn't to say that this is therefore easy, because actually it really isn't. Um, Often we face a a real um, internal struggle with God over these things. Um, It's that kind of the tension, the nudge, the God saying, I think you could go and do this. And we're saying, I don't think I can. Actually, there's real anxiety that we're going to look like a fool, or we're going to have heard wrong and mess up, um, or it's just not going to go right. And actually, it would be much nicer to stay within our comfort zone, within, within what we know how to do. And actually, that feeling's okay. That tension, that, that is that sense of God stretching those faith muscles, pushing us to do a little bit more than we thought we could do, um, and pushing us to rely on him in those times. When we step out, when we do things we never thought we'd do in a million years, we build up that faith muscle like you do at the gym when you're building up your muscles. 
And there's something that um, I either heard or I read one place at some point, which I absolutely love and that I hold on to whenever I feel like, oh gosh, this is scary. And it helps me to remember to just rely on God. Um, And it's in reference to the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 in Matthew. And it's this. When facing what seems like a big ask from God, we simply bring our loaves and fishes and we watch as God uses them to feed the 5,000. And I found that really helpful when I just think, gosh, I haven't got a lot to offer. I haven't got a lot to give here, God. It's just to remember loaves and fishes. I'm going to bring my loaves and fishes and I'm going to offer that to you and you are going to use it to feed the 5,000 or do whatever it is that you want to do with it. Have you heard the tale of the elephant and the mouse? So these particular elephant and mouse were different because they were friends and they would go everywhere together and they would do everything together. They would trample through the jungle having a great laugh. And one day they came to this big rickety bridge and they decided we're going to go across this bridge. And as it went, it wobbled and it shook and they loved it. They're a bit of adrenaline junkies. And as they went across, it was creaking and making all this noise um, and they got to the other side and they trundled off. And the mouse looked back and he saw the bridge swinging back and forth. And he turned to his friend, the elephant, and he said, we sure did shake that bridge, didn't we? We are those mouse and God is the elephant. We sure shake the bridge with God. We do what it is that we can do and we let God do what it is that he can do. We can count on him for his power, his authority, We can count on him to do what God is in the business of doing. We each have a part to play. What is it that we can do? Start small, start simple, but start now. Do what it is that you can do and let God do what he can do. So I've got two questions for us this morning to finish on. Um, And the first one is, what is it that God is nudging you to do? Only you can really answer that question. What is it that's on your heart? What is it that won't quite go away? It may seem silly, it may seem insignificant, you may have dismissed it, but take some time to stop and listen to what God is saying to you, where God is nudging you. And the second question is, are we willing to go and do what only we can do and let God do what only he can do? Because what's important about personal ministry, what's important about this faith muscle is that it isn't about all the good works that's out there to do, all the good things that God wants us to go and achieve for him. It's not about that. It's about our relationship with God. It's about that intimacy. It's about that faith. It's about that trust. It's about us pushing out And knowing that we don't have enough, knowing that we're going to have to rely on God, but taking that step, that leap, that adventure. Doing what only we know how to do and letting God do what only he knows how to do. (coughs) I'm going to pray for us as we finish. Father God, Thank you that you know all those things that are running through our minds at the moment that you have placed on our hearts. Thank you that you also know all the reasons why we're telling you that it won't work and we can't do it. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come now and you would speak to us. You would encourage us, you would nudge us, 
you would help us to know what it is you're asking us to step out into. Help grow our faith. Help us say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen.